0: It is the 200-level, Mike Carpenter in the basement studio on a Wednesday evening, about to talk with Harry Black, the one and only Harry Black, for one of our Hanging with Harry segments. For those that have listened to me over the years, you know that I love alliteration, so Hanging with Harry it is. Lots to talk about today, and what I wanted to start off with was something that kind of echoes what I talked about Sunday. Call it a moment of clarity, you know, if you want to go with that, but... Losing to Penn State in and of itself did not teach me a whole lot new about this team. It reinforced some of the concerns. It alleviated what was my biggest concern was the defense completely falling off. I think that the way they look Saturday gives Illini fans a lot of reasons to be optimistic. But I will say that it has added a level of clarity for what comes next and what I need And what I think is fair for Illini fans to, if not expect, demand, which that's that's a big word, right? But think about this. Illinois sits here at one and two. According to a metric that I'll share in just a bit, they have the fifth toughest schedule in FBS. That is not all that surprising. Toledo looks pretty good. I know San Jose State took them down to the wire, but Toledo looks pretty good. Kansas looks pretty good. And we know that Penn State's going to be competing for the Big Ten East, despite not looking super dominant. But I think Illinois had something to do with that. So there was this analytic thing online, and call it like a college football Ken Palm, if you will. I know there's the S&P or the S-plus-P done by ESPNs. I think Bill Connolly's the guy. I don't have access to that, but... K. Ford Ratings, this is Kelly Ford, does a sort of analytical thing where he breaks down all of the FBS teams, and he ranks them, and they adjust each week based on performance. Now, he has Illinois, or I should say he had Illinois at the start of the year, ranked 41st in the country. He expected them to have the 79th best offense, which that's not good, but would be slightly better than last year. And the 6th best defense. Well, he was way off on that because after the Week 1 win against Toledo, Illinois' defense went from 6th to 30th. But cumulatively, they only dropped from 41st as a team to 47th. Losing at Kansas, they dropped in another 5 spots to 52. And then after beating Penn State, Kelly Ford has them as the 51st best team in FBS. Okay, this is one metric. This is not the end-all, be-all, but he does take a lot of numbers into his equations here, and uh, he's been doing this for a little bit, too. Now, to give you an idea of who you've played, he has Toledo ranked 50th, Kansas 55th, or at least they were at the time, and Penn State 6th. Now, coming up, Florida, a- Florida Atlantic, excuse me, he has 94th, Purdue 66th. And Nebraska 65th. Two of those are home games. One of them is a road game. You are still sitting here, 51st best team in the country. And I would like to think, I'd like to think that we all think this team can play better than what they have. And that an easier schedule will have a lot to do with that. So we're going to get Harry Black on here in just a minute. But that is my mantra this week in the next three weeks. You've got to win three in a row. Keep it simple. I have no problem just simplifying this whole thing, and if you go 3-0, and guess what? You're 4-2 and going into a pretty tough road game against Maryland that none of us would expect to win, but what the hell? And then, worst case, even if you win the next three and lose to Maryland, you're 4-3 and with Wisconsin at home on homecoming. That, to me, is something that, honestly, they should do. If they are the team and the program and the coaching staff that we thought they were, they should win the next three. Because Florida Atlantic, with a backup quarterback, Purdue with all the issues that they're facing, especially defensively, and a quarterback that, like ours, can't hold on to it. And then Nebraska, don't get me started, got to win the next three. So starting with that mindset, and we'll ask Kerry Black in a bit what he thinks, that's what we'll kind of talk about today. Not just Florida Atlantic, because that's one game. This is the stretch that even before the season started, I think we all felt Illinois could make some hay with, and that's what I hope happens. I hope beyond hope, because four and two... All things considered, feels good no matter how you got there. All right, before we get Harry Black on, got to remind you, the 200 level is brought to you by DPdo, Online at DPdo.com for all the best deals and prices, dpdough.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana, so go online, order your custom zone with any topping you want, or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone, online at DPdo.com Also, Dogtown Heating Air and Plumbing, you can maybe hear the allergies in me. I hope you don't hear too much today, but it is that time of year and then pretty soon before you know it, The chilly nights are going to get cold and you want a furnace that can work. And Dogtown Heating Air and Plumbing, they've been doing our furnace and AC checks for over a year now. And our house is warmer than it's ever been in the winter and cooler than it's ever been in the summer. I got to think they have something to do with it. So give them a call at 217-841-4728. That's 217-841-4728 for Dogtown Heating Air and Plumbing, your home's best friend. And also got to thank State Farm Agent Brian Hanson. Online at BrianisMyGuy.com, Life Auto Home Business Renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well. Uh, we have this new thing with State Farm called Ting, that's T-I-N-G. It is a program and app on your phone that monitors the electrical system in your home. We have an old home. It's nice to have that peace of mind that it is monitoring this electrical system that might be as old as the place itself. That's just one of the many benefits you get from State Farm, along with the pricing and the great customer service, of course, from Brian and his staff. That's BrianIsMyGuy.com for State Farm agent Brian Hansen. And uh, finally, last but not least, Owen Builders LLC, online at OwenBuildersLLC.com. Luke Owen and his staff. Second to none, it's a smaller staff that can really specialize their work to fit what you need for kitchen, bath, home additions, decks, patios. You can see a gallery of their work online at owenbuildersllc.com. That's Luke Owen and owenbuildersllc.com. Got God think Champagne Showers Podcast Network and got to thank you, the listeners, and we've had some new ratings and reviews on Apple Podcast. If you can take the second out of your day to just give us the old rating On Apple Podcasts, whatever that rating may be, it is a big help. All right, let's get the man, the myth, the legend, Harry Black on. Harry, what I was just saying in the opening segment was I have a a little more clarity going forward as far as what I would need to see. So I want to get your take on this. Before we delve into the Penn State game and the good and bad that came from that, you have Florida Atlanta coming up, and we will talk about that game specifically. But then you have a struggling Purdue team on the road, and Nebraska, a struggling team at home. I'm keeping it really simple, Harry. I'm granting this team some grace for the first three games. But we said before the season they can make hay in these three games. I think to feel good again, they need to win the next three. And I don't see any 2 and one situation where the big questions are answered. Where are you at?
1: For me, it's, it's tough because we came into this season saying that one and two was a very realistic possibility and that In all likelihood, if we went one and two, we were going to be okay with with how we got there. But I don't think anyone really anticipated the offense and, well, the line, the trenches on both sides of the ball just looking, you know, this porous. Um, The last game was kind of an eye-opener in that the first two games we looked and said, okay, the offense or at least um, Luke Altmaier has something going here. That was not the case against Penn State. Now, you can kind of grant some leniency because you look at that team and say that's the number seven team in the country uh we didn't play our best game and we still kind of hung in there a little bit that was that was kind of one of those games that i feel like if you like like you're no matter how good you are at illinois unless you have a season like last year for the most part you're gonna have games like this past week when you play a team in the top 10 in the country um so so that one it wasn't super shocking Uh, It's not super shocking that we're one and two. I would say the first two weeks are what troubles a lot of fans out there. And I would assume troubles you as well as me Um, for these upcoming ones. I'm going to, I'm going to make it even simpler. Um, And I I texted you earlier in the week that this game kind of just reminds me similar to 2019 Eastern Michigan. Not in that, I think we're going to lose this game, but in that, I think going into that game, it was – I think we were 1-1 one one or something like that. And going into that game, the thought process was – or maybe 1-2. and two, I, Maybe that was after Nebraska, that shootout that we lost. Um, but at, but the, the thought process was, well, just take care of business on this one and get back on track. Well, you didn't. And I feel like that's what people are kind of getting at with this FAU game is get back on track, get back to 500, and then attack the, uh, the real Big Ten slate, the Big Ten West slate. So I think you know. First things first, you got to take care of business this week. I don't care. I mean, if you go two and one with a loss to Purdue, it's worlds different than two and one with a loss to uh, to FAU because it's just the the going down to one and three with a loss to a lower level competition like like Florida Atlantic. It just feels different. Even though you know now that I'm saying it, you'd be in better standings in the Big Ten West. But I don't care. You can't lose to an FAU team. After coming out and looking the way you did in the first two weeks and to a lesser extent last week against Penn State.
0: You mentioned twenty nineteen. So here's how that season started, <clears throat> if I recall. The first game you beat maybe a Kent State or a Murray State and and then the second game you went to Yukon. You won, but Yukon sucked. You came home, Eastern Michigan was waiting, and you were 2-0, but it wasn't a great feeling 2-0, and you thought, just start 3-0, and let's see what happens next week against Nebraska. You lose to Eastern, you, you compete with Nebraska despite giving up 700 yards. Now, this game, I'll be honest, though, I need the eye test and style points to matter in this game. And I know that sounds greedy when you're 1-2, but I saw enough positives defensively where I need to see that continue. I think I will. And I need to see the offense finally, which Barry lunny has been talking about a lack of identity, which is what he's paid to figure out, I need to see that start to sh- take shape because I really do think that this is the kind of game, Harry, where it's a get-right game in many ways. It's such an opportunity, I think, to parlay a little bit of momentum going into Purdue, even against a lesser team. Am I naive to think that you can start to build on execution, even against an FAU, and that that bodes well for you the following seven days when you go to Purdue. Can you kind of start putting things together with the lesser opponent and then transpose that to the Big Ten team the next week?
1: I think you can. I think because the way I look at it is if you're able to get back on track against a lesser opponent in FAU, you're going to see it on film. You know, say say Illinois comes out and we win, I don't know, 35-3. to Some kind of like really impressive, like you said, eye test win-a-win that you want to see against a lower level opponent like FAU. If you see yourself doing the right things on the film, you can say if we do this against, you know, Purdue against Nebraska, Wisconsin, whoever, then we're going to have a chance to beat any of these teams regardless of, you know, who we were doing it against in this in this uh, game right here. You don't want to have a situation where you come out and, you know, eek one by or maybe you win maybe you do win like 24 to 10 but on the film it just looks like man the only reason that we won this game as handily as we did is because of how bad they were you want to win this game because if you were both to play your a game yours is that much better than what fau is going to be able to bring so i think yeah i think you can definitely this is a get right game like you had said and i think that if you come out play better than you did the past three weeks regardless of who you're playing Just if you play better to your own standards against this team, see it on the film, see it on the scoreboard, then that'll get your, you know, your mentality right going into the Big Ten season.
0: Let's start with the good because the Penn State game, you know, my dad and I are in the stadium and I turn to him when it's 13 to 7. Reggie Love ran it in. The defense is playing as good as they are. I mean, it was a really, I thought, phenomenal performance by the defense for three quarters. And then you can at least kind of explain what happened Uh, i mean they were on the field for so long starting with the defense does that travel meaning what we saw against penn state and the adjustments they made i think the simplicity with which they were playing schematically and the attacking nature can they just i don't know run that out there again and, and hope for the same result do they have the personnel you think where they can just run it and continue to play as well as they did
1: Well, I think what kind of hurt us in the first two weeks and no, I'm I'm an offensive lineman at heart. So what I know about defense is what I see and what I've heard in film rooms. Um, But I mean, you look at your struggles in the first two weeks and it was against mobile quarterbacks, you know, Drew Auer wasn't a mobile quarterback. You were able to, you know, not have that problem yet you had to deal with last week, and that might have had something to do with why you were able to perform as well as you did. Also, yeah, I think just going back real quick, the the defense was not the problem last week. Um, You look at the scoreboard, 30 points. Yeah, that doesn't tell the whole story. Was it five turnovers, four interceptions, and a fumble? They held them to... What is it? Three, six points in the first half on those turnovers. And then, you know, the floodgates open because you're playing the seventh round team in the country. You can't keep giving them the ball at the 40 yard line, at the 35 yard line. So, yeah, the defense was not the problem last week. And I, I think that if you come into this game, because I believe you said uh, earlier in the week, you told me uh, Casey Thompson will be out. For him,
0: yeah, maybe, their for their backup is Central Michigan's former starter, who. Uh, He had some okay games he cannot run, at least he does not have a track record of running, which Casey Thompson did. So I I think the matchup on its face is better.
1: Yeah, so in that regard, I think that that helps you out tremendously because you are going to be able to treat this game maybe like you're playing a not near. I'm going to say not as good Drew Hour, not nearly as good. Drew Aller, and whoever the uh, their quarterback is now over at FAU that's going to be taking snaps instead of Thompson. So, I, I mean, I would imagine you should be able to run out this uh, similar game plan, you know, albeit I'm sure that their FAU's offense is not verbatim the same. Um, but if you're able to just, you know, win in the trenches like you were able to do on defense last week, because you were doing pretty well in the trenches for the most part. Their running back did not have until like, he had like one good run for the touchdown. It was like 15 yards. Again, in the second half. Um, so if you're able to win in the trenches again, that offensive FAU should not be a problem, especially with the backup quarterback. They're brought
0: out there. Let's talk about Johnny Newton, because on this podcast this year, he's sort of the given going in. And sometimes you don't talk about the given as much because you you know what you got. So from your perspective as a former offensive lineman, if you were watching tape on him or as you watch him now, what flashes through your mind if you were to have been told, OK, block him?
1: if i'll tell you what man because he lines up in the middle you know you know between the guards or the center all i'm thinking if i'm seeing that guy is like first of all god i hope i have a double team because he's that big of a guy and then also you know a lot of times the way you look at it as an offensive lineman is if you do your job if everyone on the offensive line does their job and you're not put on an island then you should be then you shouldn't really have you know that much of a problem of um of, you know, getting your job done. Like, as a center, every time I went out there, I knew I had help, whether it be from the left guard or the right guard. Um, So that made my job that much easier. Now, the problems arise, like, for the offensive line, if you tell the guard, you know, left guard, say you're running a, a zone play to the right, and Johnny Newton's lined up on the left guard's inside eye, right? Not to the point where the center can give him any help because maybe he's closer to the guard than center, and you're running a zone to the right. First of all, you should never be doing that if Johnny Newton's right there because you're telling that guard you have to cut off this guy and you know get some push-up to the linebacker if you're able to do that. That's a preseason All-American right there. He's not going to let you be able to do that. So that's, that's kind of where you see a situation where – you know, you're going to have the advantage if you're Illinois, if you have Johnny Newton lined up right there. So, I mean, a lot of times if I'm an offensive lineman, interior offensive lineman, looking at a guy like that, who I see is a game wrecker like that. I, I'm kind of knowing that we're going to have to be able to audible to something that's more favorable, like, you know, get plenty of double teams. Make sure you're not always, you know, <laughs> don't run towards him. Um, because he's going to be able to wreck some things. Also, don't ask your uh, your offensive linemen to make those more difficult blocks.
0: The other thing I was encouraged by was that I didn't notice bad linebacking play, and I think that's partially due to the schematics. So, for example, it seems as if if we want to lump Seth Coleman and Gabe Ackes, they're... they're I don't know if they're more edge rush rushers or outside linebackers. They call them outside linebackers. But those two guys and Tariq Barnes, I thought, had good games. And there was only one time where I saw Tariq Barnes get caught up in one of those drag routes on a wide receiver going across the field, and he just wasn't fast enough to keep up. So I'm encouraged by the schematics, but I'm also encouraged by the simple notion that they're kind of letting those three guys... I, I just imagine and they, they simplified everything and said, just go. Here's your gaps. Sometimes we rush. But whatever you're doing, you're attacking. It just seemed to me like uh, they were a big reason why Illinois' defense stifled the run game because the guys in front of them helped, of course, but they were where they needed to be, most importantly. And it just seemed like Abacus looked fast again, Seth Coleman looked loose again, and Tweak Barnes looked like a steady middle linebacker kind of guy. I don't know if you picked up on them or not, or if it's maybe good that we didn't pick up on them as much because they weren't lacking.
1: Yeah, I see, that... that that kind of comes to to the uh, the point or the fact that you're playing the kind of level of competition that you were last week. Um, I think that when you see guys kind of rise up to that that standard, it's because they know that they have to bring their a plus plus game if they're going to want to have a chance against the number seven team in the country. Now, we had mentioned this a little bit earlier, but the 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 struggle then or the challenge for the coaching staff is to make sure that you keep those guys, you know, with that intensity going into this week in a game, uh, against a t- team that's not the number seven team in the country in FAU, so I mean th- that's the challenge that the coaches are going to have. Just make sure you have the same intensity coming out here, because I I think that I mean all around the defense looked so much better last week than they had in the first two weeks, um, and that's against a, a Penn State team that was I think they put up sixty points the week before, albeit against Delaware. But still, you know, a team that's that's lighting up the scoreboard, and you're able to. I mean, really, that game probably should have been in the lower 20s if the offense wasn't giving them the ball inside your red zone like every drive in the first half. So, I, yeah, I think the challenge is for the defense, for the defensive coaching staff, just make sure that they stay on the same page as they were last week with the same kind of intensity, knowing that this is a get a game, but we need to come out here, you know, guns a blazing to get ready for, you um, for per the
0: next week. I did mention this in my opening segment, but losing Matthew Bailey, I know hurts. I mean, he did look good in the few plays that he was out there. I I was encouraged by the secondary. There was the one play at the end of the first half where I think it was Tyler Strain might have been covering and he got burned. And that set Penn State uh up for the field goal. But I'm very encouraged by Xavier Scott. He, he, to me, looks the part uh, of just the next stud D back for Illinois, and everybody else seemed to just kind of keep Penn State in front of them. They were playing a lot more man, I think, too. So I guess my question, Harry, is as you watch that defense, did you start to see the original vision that we had for it, meaning the defensive line gets to the quarterback, causes pressure, and they make the most inexperienced part of your defense, the secondary, look that much better as a result?
1: Yeah. And I think you could see that that was the case uh, early on in the second half. With, well, you know, obviously they looked as good as they did in the first half, but the part that I was most encouraged with was the multiple three and out he had coming out in the second half that shows that even though Penn State went into the half, seeing that they needed to make adjustments because they weren't able to punch it in on short field against this you know young secondary um, that even though they tried to come out and make adjustments, they weren't able to necessarily do everything that they wanted to. Um, so, yeah, I mean, We saw earlier in the year you were struggling. Last year you had your struggles with, you know, Indiana in that game, aside from the fact you lost, but they were able to really kind of move the ball with all the help that you gave them, but also the fact that, you know, they were able to move the ball as much as they did. Um, And I think that, you know, it was encouraging. I think that going forward, I think really what you want to see is just, I feel like a broken record, but at this point, You just want to see them kind of coming out with the same intensity. That's what I saw this past week that we didn't see week one against Toledo. You couldn't really tell if you saw it against Kansas because you went down so quickly and they were spreading the field as much as they were. But I mean, if they're able to play similarly, if the defense is able to come out and play similar to how they played against Penn State, I think that you're going to probably be looking back at that like seven win mark.
0: I, I think so, too. And that's why I'm kind of looking at this three game stretch. And saying, if the defense does that, I think we're good in these next three games. But then that leads to the new resounding question. Yep. We'll get to Luke Altmyer in a second. Beyond Luke Altmyer's turnovers, what worries you about the offense?
1: Uh, it's It's got to be the offensive line. I mean, we, we came into this season thinking that the offensive line was going to be, you know, not equivalent to the defensive line, but was going to have similar strengths you know, you're going to be able to move the ball, um, not maybe the move the line scrimmage the same way you were last year because of, you know, the Heisman contending running back that you also had that kind of helps out that cause. But just look at the coaching staff and look at Bielema. He has a track record of, of offensive line play. And you came in thinking that that wasn't going to be a problem. And we have had some injuries. I mean, you're not going to look at this off the line and say that it's, um, you know it was healthy missing some pieces from last year that are now whether you know they're just graduated or in, in the NFL. Um, but I think that's that's got to be the, the most worrying problem because this past week it was Luke. obviously. I mean four interceptions, you're not going to win a game against pretty much anyone if you throw four interceptions. but all three weeks, it's been the fact that you're not able to move the, uh, the offensive line. You have very little, if any running game. I think last week wasn't your your or two weeks ago your leading rusher was Luke far, that should. Yeah. And that should never be the case, especially against a defense like Kansas. So, I mean, I think that if the year goes on and you continue to see these problems on the offensive line, that's going to probably that's going to be a um, a thorn in the side of really, honestly, the defense, if anything, because they're going to be looking and saying, look at what we're doing out here. We're giving you guys a chance. You're not able to move the ball. You're not able to move the offensive line. You're not going to win any games in the Big Ten West, especially of all divisions. If you're not able to, you know, be able to move the line up front. So that, that's what that's what's, I mean. It's obviously what I look at the most, but it's, uh, but I really think most people would say that's what's been most troublesome with this offense so far.
0: We'll get to Luke in a second, but quick side question here Is there a schism that can develop between units? And if so, you know, one unit's playing much better than the other. If so, is it ever spoken? Is it felt? does it just make a sort of toxic environment? How does that work?
1: I don't think there, if there is, it doesn't come up in practice. It doesn't come up in the locker room. At least it never did when, when I was, uh, when I was at university Illinois, it comes out. You, well, I shouldn't say it doesn't come out in practice. It doesn't come out when you're not on the field. It doesn't, you know, everyone gets along. You have to spend this much time with all these people in the locker room. um, you know, whether, you know, training camp or throughout the season in the weight room, in the training table, everywhere. You spend upwards to 40, 50, 60 hours a week with these guys every week. Um, that's redundant. But, you know, when you see any kind of, you know, schism between parts of the team, it's when you see maybe you go into this week, say we're playing FAU this week and it's the second quarter and we just had our third three and out God I hope that doesn't happen but say that that happens that's a situation where you could see maybe I don't know a defense it's always a weird position group too it's like uh, a cornerback comes over to the offensive line and says you know what the bleep are you guys doing out there you're not moving the ball it's like and we you know we know we're not doing our job If that's the case we look over at this guy and say the hell do you know you're not an offensive lineman you don't know what we have to do um, but it doesn't mean necessarily that they're wrong and that's where you can kind of see like those flare-ups on the sideline and um and yeah i mean that's really the extent of when you see that it's never anything and, and and honestly that goes away after the game that goes away after a few plays because it's the heat of the moment everyone's out there you know testosterone adrenaline just pumping through the veins and you got there's you don't bs with anyone you got to get you know right to the point of what we need to do to win this game right now, okay. So that's why you'll see that kind of stuff on the sidelines in games in practice, but you're not going to see that necessarily on a personal level,
0: okay. And that, that, that's thank you for that clarification because I, I've always wondered that and I'm worried that that could happen to this team because I, I have more concerns than just Luke Altmaier. But let's start there. I like Luke, weirdly enough, Harry. I'm still excited to watch him on Saturday in a way that I haven't been for an Illini quarterback in a long time. Tommy DeVito was steady, and of course I loved watching him. But in terms of, uh, I knew he was a rental, so to speak. In terms of a long-term Illini quarterback, I mean, not even Nathan Shieldhouse got me as excited. Like, oh, I can't wait. Because we saw right before the third, I think, pick of Luke Altmaier. What was the play before that? He gets it was like a- slammed, yep, yep. and he hits Isaiah Williams for a 25-30-yard gain. I mean, it's, it's that kind of play that I haven't seen in a long time, so I know it's there, and yet, that's the stuff that loses you games. So, is it now simply game planning around that? My worry is that we overcompensate. We don't let Luke be the occasional gunslinger for fear of him turning the ball over, and then just kind of like Justin Fields is having with the Chicago Bears and all that mess, it becomes a head game. And I think the looser he is, the better, but... I don't know, is there a way to channel that just enough so he's not throwing four freaking picks a game?
1: I mean, it's it, it's tough because the comparison you'll hear, and it's a comparison people always go to when you see a talented quarterback or a guy that likes to throw the ball but has problems with turnovers. You go right to Brett Favre. Yeah. Um, and the question with him was, do you want to corral him because, and I'm talking about Brett Favre now, do you want to corral him and make it so, yeah, he's not throwing four or five interceptions in a playoff game, If that means that maybe, you know, in another playoff game, he's going to throw for 500 yards because you're not putting any restrictions on him. He's able to go out and do what he does best, which is basically play play playground football. I think that there's, you know, the way I look at it is it's not a focal point of the um, or it shouldn't be a focal point of the offensive coordinator to go out there and um, and focus on one position group and get the absolute best out of them to the detriment of the rest of the team. If he's having a problem throwing the ball, you run the ball. That's, that's my offensive lineman's simplistic way of looking at it. If you're having a problem turning the ball over, maybe get into a situation where you're doing more short game stuff, uh, running the ball more and more screens, just stuff that's low turnover probability, whether it's to get his confidence back or whether it's to um, – or whether it's just because that's what's working – and then when you see that, okay, this guy's got a little bit more confidence in his, in his passing game, then maybe you can try to stretch the field. Um, that, that's the way I look at it. I look at a game last week, and, I tr- and what I say if I'm the offensive coordinator to Luke is, you know what, we're going to look at the film, we're going to burn the film, we're going to ignore any of that. I'm not going to tell you not to go out and play the way that you've played your whole life, but I am going to tell you, you know, Take an extra—if it's not there, don't force it. You know, to say It's such a fine line to, to walk, in, and they're talking about it nowadays with uh, Josh Allen, who's got a problem turning the ball over. But do you want to corral Josh Allen, tell him, don't take the chances you've taken that got you to the point where you're a top three quarterback in the NFL?
0: Yeah, and I think that Luke might be able to handle that. So at the moment, I don't have long-term concerns about Luke because for all the interceptions— I do want to be fair to him. I thought one against, one of the two against Kansas, that was on Pat Bryant, clearly, plain as day. You could argue Isaiah Williams could have snagged that second one. The first game, there was one bad decision, but that was literally the only one. So I'm looking at two bad decisions through two games, and then four glaring ones against a top-10 team. That's a major step up in competition. And yet, he still made some throws that makes me excited to see him on Saturday. So... I guess this leads to a conversation about wide receivers because you mentioned you're most concerned about offensive linemen and they kind of make the whole thing run. I am concerned that outside of Isaiah Williams, it doesn't appear like Casey Washington or Pat Bryant are getting much separation. Can you scheme around that? Or is it just simply a matter of probably better get Malik Elsey a few more snaps. Probably better get Wilcher with his speed a few more snaps.
1: I mean... (sighs) a lot of times and again this is <laughs> i have to preface this by making sure that people know that i am i am a former you know university of illinois football player i am not a former wide receiver <laughs> so i've not been in that in that uh in that position group room with uh with those guys but the way i look at it a lot of times is um you know it's your matchups it's your individual matchups Less, last last uh, past week you went up against um you know Big Ten East-level secondary. It's not going to be the same as what you played uh, against Toledo, and it's not going to be the same even against uh, a Big T- a Big 12 defensive secondary like Kansas, even though Big 12 is not necessarily renowned for their defense as of late. So that's where I would be more troubled than this past week. Um, you know, I, I think it's it, – I don't know if maybe you want to turn to the younger guys because the way I look at it is – We've seen Pat Bryant, and especially we've seen Casey Washington, you know, make some big plays. Um, I would say you don't turn to the younger guys until you get later on in the season and you're still having these problems. If you have problems against FAU in your, you know, with separation you're getting with your, your wideouts, then I think maybe you start to look at personnel. Because at that point, you don't know what the hell's going on.
0: All right, so the offense is going to be what everyone's watching, and I understand that. One, one reason that I'm encouraged, Harry, about the timing of this game, and I know everybody would have liked the Ford Atlantic game before Penn State, but in a way, I, I'm trying to view these first three games as ripping the Band-Aid off, getting it over with, and that hopefully it bodes well for them starting now. The FAU game, to me, screams an, a major opportunity to play Brett of football, meaning A good opening script of plays to get the first score. The defense, unlike the Toledo game, is raring to go right away. And you just sort of chip your way to a 13-point lead, to a 20-point lead, and then you just kind of run the damn clock out. I mean, just to me, it seems like, as I mentioned a, a few questions ago, that this is the kind of game where finally they can establish the run and they can get that execution down before they go to a much tougher game in West Lafayette next Saturday.
1: I mean, this game for me is – the, the, I feel like the common fan wants to see, okay, you had three tough opponents, now you have FAU, let's go beat them by 40. Honestly, what you just laid out, I'd be completely fine with. If you come out, you score a touchdown on your first drive, three and out for them, touchdown – three and out for them. I mean this is this is extreme. But if you're up 14-0, just run the ball for the rest of the game. Don't chance anything. Don't let them back in the game. Don't have a situation where you're going into the third quarter, it's like 14 to to 7 and then you hear the announcer say something like, "You know, Illinois has had every chance to put this game away, but they really let FAU hang around and then boom, it's a tie game after like a a scoop and score for them." So what I just want to see from this game is a very short game. Honestly, I'd be fine. You shouldn't. I mean, you should win this game by three scores. But at the same time, I would have no problem if the score was like 17 to zero. If you were just able to completely shut them down and make it clear that we got what we needed to get done early on. And from there on out, it's kind of similar to what the uh, what the Eagles did last year. They would go up on teams huge in the second quarter and then they would do nothing in the third and fourth quarter because all they were doing was running the ball. And People were saying, why can't this team score in the third or fourth quarter? You know, they can't really put teams away. Well, they put them away in the second quarter, and then they just run the ball, and their defense is that good. That's what you want to see from Illinois in a game against FAU this week. You want to see they establish the run game early, or no, yeah, they establish the run game early and maybe score through the air, and then from there on out, that run game is able to, you know, First and ten, second and four, third and one, first and ten. Do that down the field. Touchdown, field goal, whatever. Then the defense gets the ball back. Three and out. That's what this game should be.
0: I'd like that, and I do think that Reggie Love, the way he's been running, the way he ran against Penn State, I'm encouraged by that. I got to ask you though, Josh McRae. I know he's not having the biggest holes to run through, but there's something lacking. And I do think that on Saturday, you'll see more reps for Fagan. You'll see McCray get carries because they're going to try to get him going. But at a certain point, whatever the eye test is telling my layman's eyes, there's no it factor to Josh McCray right now. And I don't know if you, you've you seen the same thing or if you can speak on that. Or I mean, what are we looking for to running back to tell us that, oh, hey, it's not his fault. It's just the offensive line. I, mean, I Maybe that's the case, but... I'm just seeing no burst or anything from McCray. And that fumble, at that point, honestly, Harry, I was ready to say, you, you just got to move on. And I know that's probably rash, but, I mean, you got another big boy in Fagan in there who is a freshman, yes, but ready to go.
1: I would say, as far as, you know, is it the offensive line, is it the uh, is it the running back, the easiest way to look at that without just looking at film and seeing if the running back isn't, you know, hitting the holes that are provided is just to look at the um, – is to look at the other running backs in the backfield that are taking snaps. And you've said Reggie Love has been showing improvement over the first three weeks. Uh, neither one of the uh, running backs looked very good week one, aside from one run from Reggie early on. And then late in the game, you had a couple of runs, like five or six yards. But we've seen improvement from Reggie over the last three weeks. And, um, and like you said, Josh just hasn't been able to have the same kind of impact. So, I mean, the, the as far as the reason why, Running back is a brutal position. I mean, I'm, I, I'm used to people diving at my knees and I'm used to contact every play. These guys got to run full speed into people that are like, you know, not two times their size, but like have 60, 70, 80 pounds on them. At least at an offensive lineman, I you're going up against someone similar to your size. These guys have to run full speed. So Reggie, he's doing what he can, but even on a good run where he finds the hole, runs up the middle for six, seven yards, gets popped by a, by a linebacker that takes a toll on you. So you don't want him to go out there. He's going to, you know, he's going to get beat up. So that's why I think that they're bringing out a guy like Josh to try to take some of the load off of him. Um, and then as far as why they're going with him over Fagan, I think it's just a seniority uh, thing at that point. You want to go with the guy who maybe has shown something over the last couple of years, um, whether it, even if that's something is just some game film, because I know Josh has had his problems with injury, but, I mean, they, they do want to do anything they can to try to go with the people who have more seniority simply because they have more of a feel for the game than the younger guys.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be watching that to see the splits between them. I think Reggie Love starts inching his way up to a good 60, like two-thirds of the carries, and then they figure out what they want the the Thunder counterpart to be, whether that be McCray or if they just say, hey, Fagan gives us a chance. I thought I was encouraged that Fagan got some carries. I was encouraged that LZ got some looks and Wilcher, too. And I, I expect all of them to get significant tick in this game. Hopefully, you mentioned in the second half when they have a big lead and they could afford such a thing. Uh, I want to ask you, Harry. So I, I mentioned at the start of our conversation that I'm looking at this as a three-game window. We did that in the preseason talk that we had, that this is the easiest three-game stretch, period. What's the record after these three games?
1: I mean, you really... Because you've been you've been pushing that you want it to you want our record to be four and two. And I don't think there's any reason it can't be four and two. I think the, the toughest one is gonna be Purdue. Um I mean Nebraska's looked just bad. They were anemic on offense. They were, you know, pretty much outclassed by Colorado. By Colorado. I mean, Colorado's good. I think that they got a lot of hype because they got Dion. They beat um, a ranked team in week one. TCU probably shouldn't have been ranked, but you can't not have the defending, you know, runner-up not ranked. Nebraska's bad. And then they beat Colorado State on a late touchdown drive. Colorado's a good team. Colorado's also going to be three and two in two weeks after they lose to Oregon and then USC. So that loss for, you know, Nebraska losing by, I think it was like two touchdowns. I mean, that's... That's not that's not a great loss for them. So I, and then you have them at home. That should be a win for you. That should be a win for you guys. I cannot believe if you told ten years ago, Harry, that Nebraska should be more of an automatic win than Purdue. Then I'd say, what the hell is going on over in Lincoln? But I think you're gonna. I, I do think you're gonna win this week pretty handily, like how I I hope you win it the way I just laid out. Then you go into West Lafayette. I mean, this. Ryan Walters is not getting the defense working this, the the way that people thought he was going to be able to do. I mean, what he gave up thirty five points to Syracuse, and I mean that's and what was it, week one he gave up forty points almost to Fresno State. I understand Fresno State's a good Group of Five team, but that's two games right there. You're giving up close to 80 points combined and who they played week two. Well, they played tech? Virginia
0: tech who just lost 35 to 28 against Rutgers. So I don't know what to think about Virginia tech. I, yeah. I mean, I, I want to check with you. Are you still like Trevor on the bandwagon that we smoke Purdue or has the first three games given you pause because we aren't passing the eye test either.
1: I think, I don't think we're going to smoke them anymore. I would love if you did. Oh my God. If you have a similar, you know, what was it? The, uh, the Keyshawn Vaughn game in 2015, where you go up there and beat him by 30 points. That'd be awesome. Um, but I, I, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a similar game to what you had last year against them, which that game looked really ugly. And I have awful memories of it. I hate that game. It was still a one touchdown game at the end. And I think it was tied going into the fourth quarter. It was a close game, even though we didn't look how we wanted to look, you know, that year up to that point. um, God, I hate that game. But Mm. never mind that. Never mind. that. I think you could have a similar looking game this uh, in two weeks against Purdue. And I mean, I hate to say it. I hate to say it because I don't want to go two and one in these next three. And I think you definitely can go three and oh, I think you should beat FAU. No, I shouldn't even say that. I think you will beat FAU. I think you should beat Nebraska. And I think that Purdue I'm more in the camp that Purdue might be a toss up. I'm more in that camp and if you come out of Nebraska and you're what would you be at that point? You'd be 3 and 3 mm-hmm. if you adopt those 3 depending on how you look against Purdue if it's a close game and you look better then I wouldn't be completely my My expectations would certainly say, okay, now just get to six as opposed to, okay, you're a contender in the Big Ten West, which I still think you are just because the Big Ten West is god awful. Um, But no, I I think three and oh, I'm feeling good. There is a path with two and one if that one loss is against Purdue on the road and it's close where I'm not feeling awful. That's but that's the only path where I'm not feeling that way.
0: Yeah, I, I think the 3-0 and for me also comes from the vibe around the stadium and the tailgate lots and the fact that Penn State, the, you know, the 48,000 people that were in there, Harry, when it was 13-7, and then even the 3-and-out we got to start the second half. It's like, whoa, I mean, this this could happen. I mean, legit, I turned to my dad, I said, I think this this is how upsets happen. Stops like that. Yeah, momentum building, the sideline is in front of us, and we see, okay, they're feeling it, they're feeling it. So I look at the overall temperature of the fan base that right now at this moment at one and two is thinking, oh great, we're going to suck again. And that you can bring them right back in, even though the next three teams are by no means world beaters, and none of them are necessarily even high-quality wins, even though any road win in the Big Ten is a quality win. But that would be enough. If you go four and two into Maryland... That game's a cherry on top. What the hell? Give it your best shot because you know worst-case scenario, you'd be 4-3 and three coming back for homecoming against Wisconsin and 4-3 and three coming into homecoming with a chance to go 5-3 and three against Brett Bielema's old team. I, what I'm looking for, Harry, to be honest, beyond my personal enjoyment is a way to ratchet back up the momentum that, if we're being honest, has dissolved from last year. At this moment, it is gone. And I want that conjured back up and I think they can do that in three games,
1: yeah and you could feel it a little bit I mean against Toledo you could feel the momentum just with the the amount of people that were that were there you know the excitement around after that first drive and how you were looking early again you know in that game I do think while you know and now that you're much because I thought i I guess I was mistaken with the schedule I thought it went Nebraska then Wisconsin, but it is now that you mentioned it, it is God it's very it, no, I'm not going to say it's necessary but it would be so much it would be such a, much, a better look for like you said the the um uh, the fan base if you come into that um into that Wisconsin game with a winning record because if you beat FAU and you lose to uh and then you lose to Purdue that Nebraska game's going to be I mean, what are what, what are we looking at? Thirty something.
0: Well, uh, because no, because Nebraska's dopey ass fans will travel fifteen thousand of those dopes coming from Nebraska. I guess they spend money in town. I had a whole thing on that Sunday, uh, <laughs> but but here's here's why I think too. We we agree. I, I assume that the Maryland game it don't look good on paper, uh, and that's just it's a bad matchup in a weird place that you don't really play. There's not much of a history. It's hard to get a good feel on that on that game, regardless. But I, I do think that just the optics of, as you were starting to say, they're 4-3 and three, as opposed to a 3-4 record when Wisconsin comes to town, when you're going to have your biggest crowd of the year, as you always do for homecoming, and it's a good opponent. Now, I, I will say that the other part of me, Harry, why I so badly kind of need them, uh, if I'm being honest, to win these three games, if they don't, we're going to find ourselves one whole half of the way into the season wondering what the hell this is. I think by winning the next three games, it doesn't tell us they're going to win the Big Ten West because I wouldn't be convinced of that, but I would be convinced that the coaching staff cured the major ailments that bothered this team in the first three games and that this coaching staff can, in fact, out-scheme and outcoach a first-year Ryan Walter staff and a first-year Matt Rule staff, which, if we're being honest, Harry, that is the crux of it for me. It's year three of Bielema versus year one of Stinky Purdue and stinky Nebraska. I I think the year three coach has to win. I think he does.
1: More like Purdue. did you. even said it if you didn't Nebraska.
0: Say
1: no. uh, <laughs> oh my god. No, no, that's that's where it comes down to coaching. That's where it comes down to
0: coaching. Did do you think is that is that oversimplifying to say that hey, third year no, Preppy Mug no. win the win those games.
1: I think that's fair. I think that's fair because, I mean, and then even if you want to expand it a little bit more to when you go um, into homecoming playing um, Luke Fickle, who still has not shown he can do it at the Big Ten level. I know he looks great at Cincinnati, but he did not look good back in the day at Ohio State and through however many weeks now at Wisconsin. He went from a ranked team to an unranked team like that. So, you know, I, I think the... Because you also got to look, Brett's got his guys at this point. Whether he's got some lovey guys, he does. But he's got most of his guys. Matt Rule does not. Luke Fickle does not. And um a missing one. And, yeah, Ryan Walter Walters does not. Yeah, so at that point, you should be able to say, this is where you take advantage of the inexperienced, or at least where they're at, inexperienced coaching staffs. Because, I mean, that's that's a real thing. That's why you see these coaches, if you look back at their history, PJ Flex first year at Western Michigan, not at Minnesota. At Western Michigan, I think he went one and eleven. The next year, I think they were a bowl team. The next year, they were in the Cotton Bowl. So it doesn't matter. I mean, most times, unless it's Sunny Dykes at TCU and you have Mac Doug or Max Duggan, you know, single-handedly getting you to the college football championship. Most of the times, you're going to have your struggles, and if you have a coach in Brett who is a good coach regardless of what we've seen these past couple of weeks and I know people love to go back to arkansas what are you going to do when you have a conference with georgia alabama auburn or no, yeah auburn and you know the likes of lsu florida the entire conference aside from arkansas and vanderbilt and those lower level teams are blue chips for the most point uh, most part so i don't i try to look at what he did at not even a similar division the same division you know A very similar team in Wisconsin to uh, what Illinois wants to be. So, Brett, Brett, those are the games where you should go into them and say, we got this. Even if we're calling games like Purdue and Wisconsin toss-up games, you have to go in those and say, they're toss-up games. Oh, wait, it's Ryan Walters. Oh, wait, it's Luke Fickle, first-year coach. We got this.
0: Yeah, that's my hope, Harry, because I I think that – I, I am still a big Brett Bielema fan and to be honest it would take quite a bit for me to change my mind that he's not the best opportunity we have to solidify something I strongly believe that and that's why I think the first two weeks were more jarring than the third because even though you lost 30 to 13 to Penn state i you know we got out to the tailgate and Kara asked my dad so did he did michael stay cool in the stadium you know because she saw the score and he was like no he He didn't get mad at all, because I I honestly, even with the interceptions, I was more bemused, like, oh, shucks. And listen, I know there's a more serious than just saying, oh, shucks. There are four turnovers by your starting quarterback. I don't care if it's a number 17 or not. That's an issue. Yet, it felt more like Brett a ball, meaning I saw a defense and I trusted the defense again. They got on the field, and I'm like, I think they'll get the stop. And I hadn't felt that really since the Mississippi State game. I'll give Aaron Henry this. He's had, I think, two of his four games have been very well coordinated, and I'm excited to hopefully see him turn into a really good coordinator. But uh, I I think, though, for a lot of people, you mentioned the Arkansas thing. It's this weird kind of nugget in the back of our heads where we would look at the record at Arkansas and say, hey, at Illinois, that works. But when you're living it, And you start having uncharacteristically bad performances against lesser teams. That's where the sound fundamental football that Brett Bielema, you associate with, you start getting a little confused and scared. And I think there are probably a few Illini fans that are scared. Oh, my God, what if this doesn't work out? And I understand that.
1: Yeah, I also got to say, though, I mean, and this is coming from someone who I'm not going to say five days out of the week, but at least once or twice a week. I'm running the board for the Paul Feinbaum show. So I'm hearing all these SEC fans and the expectations of every fan base. And I don't care if it's, you know, obviously Alabama's expectations are what they are and Georgia's are what they are these, day, uh, these days. LSU fans think they're winning a national championship. Auburn fans think they're winning a national championship. Even down to Arkansas, they think, this is our year to compete for a SEC division title. The expectations in the SEC are higher because that's what life is down there in the uh in the southeastern conference i i do think that even though like you had said there's fan ba- there's a portion of the fan base that thinks oh my you know oh my stars what if this happens you know <laughs> similar <to> what-
0: <laughs> oh gee oh,
1: <laughs> oh good golly oh, no. um similar to, to what happened over at um to, over at arkansas i mean he was he was getting bowl games. he was doing what we say if we get a coach here to accomplish that, which is you know six wins, seven wins, the occasional five wins, seven wins, eight wins, five you know something like that i I don't think that i I, I think the fan base honestly wouldn't have a huge problem with that because that's what we've been looking for and because the expectations are lower here than what they are even at a school like Arkansas because it's the SEC
0: he is in a somewhat unfair position because, we have, as a fan base, this, oh boy, what would it be called? Uh, not stigma, but basically syndrome, um, mental uh, PTSD thing where you have a successful year and then you go five and seven the next year. It, it's just, yeah. in my mind, I'm like, enough. And then to, to make that even more frustrating, the first three games, okay, I recognize those were tougher. And then I'm, the reason I'm looking at these next three with so much urgency, in a way, is, okay schedules don't get much easier than this. And not just the next three games. When the toughest game the rest of the way, the toughest two games are at Maryland and at Iowa, two teams that are not ranked, is there, yeah. a, ra- is there a ranked team on the schedule the rest of the way? Not right there now. There's
1: not. The only team you would think maybe might get there would be Iowa. Or, I mean, well, hell, I mean, has Maryland lost the game yet? I think if they win... But again, they're in the Big Ten East, so I could say, unless they're not playing Ohio State, Michigan, or Penn State in the next three weeks, which is, I'm assuming they're playing at least one of them, then they're not going to be ranked either. So, yeah, you're no ranked teams right now. The only one I would say would be maybe Iowa later on.
0: Yeah, so th- to me, it's like, well, God dang it. Just, okay, yes, win six, and I would agree, just make a bowl game. But I do think that the next three games will tell the tale as to whether or not we are simply chasing six. Or whether things have leveled off where we can comfortably say, hey, seven and five is right there for him. And I do think there's a little bit different feeling there where, yes, of course you'll take whatever bowl game, but a seven and five record, even with the bad start, and even if there's going to be bumps along the way, which you can still afford three more losses if you get to seven and five against this weak ass schedule, that you still feel, hey, it's it's already kind of solidifying here and i think that would just do wonders for a fan base that has just been perpetually had the rug pulled out from under them after successful years
1: yeah i mean if you come away from this season 7 and 5 Ugh. not feeling great let's say we lose to um let's say we lose to maryland iowa and and i don't know minnesota or wisconsin one of those two right and you still find your way to seven and five, which is, you know, considered after last year and also considered just the way it's felt a bad year. you I mean, hell, I'll take that, you know, 10 times out of 10 if, you know, as an Illinois alum, as an Illinois fan. Um, and, and until that gets old, which I, you know, I'd love for that to get old because what gets old right now is what you had just said. This is my first real taste of, all right, bowl game or good season followed up by nothing. And, you know, I don't have great experience with that. The, the limited amount I have is we got to a bowl game by the skin of our teeth in 14 and then missed one by the skin of our teeth in 15. So, that I mean, I, I think it's, it's right there for the taking. And when, like you said, hardest games left are Maryland and Iowa. I mean, even two games that I would not be shocked if you won either one of them, I'd be surprised. But if you won either one of them, I'd want – like oh my God, how did we just beat Iowa because now that we've seen it, also Iowa, come on, they're boring. they're they literally have to give incentives to their offensive coordinator to get an average amount of points each year so that or each game so that he doesn't get fired. That's how bad their offense was last year
0: and, and I, I tell you what Harry is I look at that schedule and I, I would agree that the Wisconsin Minnesota games, as long as you split those you're you're looking pretty good but uh, Minnesota, Brett Beal was undefeated against them. Minnesota with Katsuka, Kako, Kako, Baha, Baha, whatever (laughs) the quarterback's name is with 78 consonants in his name. No. No. I mean, I'm just saying that the fact that this is why I'm so heartened, because there was a a chart that had power five quarterbacks efficiency ratings. And Luke Altmaier and Hudson Card were kind of right there. Freaking Mordecai from Wisconsin has a lower efficiency rating than Luke Altmaier. And we're expecting Luke Fickle to rattle off eight wins this year. Alex Kakakalakis whatever, <laughs> is behind that. And then Jeff Sims, derp, is sitting there. Second worst Power 5 quarterback because he can't hit the broad side of a barn unless it's wearing the opposing team's colors. So all that is to say, when you play crap quarterbacks and your strength is your defense, it's time to win some games. And... I'm not saying Hudson Carr does have an it factor that makes – there's a reason Purdue's scary. It's not Ryan Walters. It's not because of Purdue. It's the fact that they have a quarterback, yes, that can make plays, as whereas Jeff Sims is going to derp his way to a loss and the guy from Central Michigan's probably not going to rally for Atlantic. So I, I know that's – we can talk about it all, all – I think it's this simple. If Luke Altmaier shapes up and the defense plays like they did – you got quite a few more games you're going to win this year, and there is a nice sort of oh, that's all you got to do, because I think there's yeah. less questions for Illinois to answer to find their way to seven wins than maybe some other teams, even after this bad start.
1: I feel like the question for uh, for Luke going forward is not can he be the reason that you win games against you know teams like Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota. Kakalakis. I think it's
0: Kakalakis, whatever. Who cares?
1: um, Yeah. And, you know, Northwestern Indiana, you're not asking him to go out there and throw for 350 yards and beat those teams. You're asking him to hand off the ball and move the trenches and make the occasional third down five pass on those games. What you want to see from Luke eventually, and you don't really have a chance to see it this year unless, I guess, maybe some kind of matchup in a bowl game, but what you want to see from him eventually is a game down the road over the next two years where, all right, he's got more experience. We know against a, a Michigan against an Ohio state. If we want any chance to be in this game, I'm not going to say win. If you want any chance to win this game, you got to do what you do well, running the ball and on the And then you have to have a quarterback who has an it factor. Like I think we've kind of seen flashes from in Luke. That's that's when you want to see him be able to stretch the field right now for the rest of the game, for the rest of the year, None of these teams, aside from maybe Maryland, are teams where you look at and say, our quarterback needs to go out there and win this game for us. You just gotta have a guy that doesn't go out there and and lose it for you.
0: Yeah. And that's again, I, I just think there's more still going for this team than some of their opponents going forward, than most of their opponents going forward. And it's gotta start Saturday. So Harry, here's what we'll do. We'll we'll keep in touch, of course. I'm sure we'll be texting on Saturday. Hopefully, it is a relatively uneventful game. And like you said, and like I'm hoping for, kind of like last year's Wyoming and Chattanooga games, you didn't hang 50 on him. You didn't need to. You controlled the game, and you look good doing it. That is all I really need Saturday. And I actually do think we get that based on the strength of the defense and getting the running game established and playing with a lead. Uh, but maybe next week, Harry, we can talk ahead of the Purdue game. I think we'll have a better idea if this team cleaned up some of those things. Because Ford Atlantic is that kind of nice region between they aren't bottom of the barrel, they are not FCS, but they're not Big 10 West quality. It's the kind of game where you, I think, can take away a little bit of what you saw and project it going forward. It seems to be right in that nice middle spot for uh, a game where you can still get better.
1: Yeah, they're a, they're a middle-of-the-pack Conference USA team, um, which is, you know, the kind of competition where you want to be able to get some good game film on. That, that's that's what FAU is. And then, you know, what you want after these next two, you know, after these next two games, you want to be flying into that Nebraska game with no worries, just an explosive game against the Cornhuskers. That's what you want after these first two.
0: I, I, I hope that's the case, Harry. Well, as always, hanging with Harry. That's what we call the segment, Harry. You know, I
1: love alliteration. It's, yeah. Hang hanging with Harry. Is there anything else that maybe? Yeah, that, that's the easiest one again recovery. think about
0: also the top of my head yeah we'll we'll brainstorm we can text on that but again next week hopefully we can talk about some good things we saw and get i think this week is just get some mojo back i mean it would last thing to ask you how obvious question it may be how important is confidence for a football team
1: it's a, it's important you want to be able to see that you know you can do what you want to go out there and do because I, it, but it, at the same time it starts with um it starts in, in practice, you know. These guys, the, any motivation, any um, any kind of confidence they have is going to be built from seeing that they can do what they want to go out there and be able to do. And, you know, it starts in practice, but then once you go up against a, uh, a team, whoever it is, because they're not FCS, they're Conference USA, it's not great competition, it's the easiest game you're probably going to have all year aside from Northwestern because they are a tire fire. Um, you just, it, the confidence is going to come... During practice this week, seeing that you can do what you want to do, and then more so if you're able to do what you need to do against FAU and get a big win. Uh, and by big win, I mean point-wise. You want to win this game by three scores.
0: It would have been funny if after I asked that question you said, it's it's not important. I'm it's not important. Part, I don't know <laughs> so what kind of there.
1: question it was. You <laughs> don't need any confidence.
0: So like, this, is what, this is what you got your journalism degree for? Jesus Christ. All right, uh, Harry, we'll talk next week. Always appreciate the time, brother. All right. All right, Harry Black joining us for Hanging with Harry, FAU edition. So as we wrap up today, we will be back on Sunday, hopefully to cover a, I think, just an efficient, effective Illini performance. Get the mojo back. Get the win. Feel good going into Purdue. You know what I said. You got to win these three games. You have to. Otherwise, we're just asking questions all year. I don't want to do that. Let's have some fun. Beat FAU and then beat Purdue and then beat Nebraska, and then what the hell when you go to Maryland? I I think there's still a good team somewhere over there, and this is why a year three of Bielema, and I'll keep this mantra going, year three Bielema has to beat year one Walters and year one Rule, and especially year one or two, whatever it may be, Tom Herman at FAU. So, time to get out of here. Hope you have a great rest of the week and enjoy your Saturday tailgating. We're going to a concert Friday, Queens of the Stone Age in Indy, with opener the Viagra Boys. This great rock band out of sweden it's gonna be a hell of a show get to bed get a little bit of sleep drive back for the tailgate so be sure to come out and say hi to the tailgate might get there a little bit later on saturday but it looks to be a great late summer day great day for football and a great day for illinois to get back to 500 and feel good about themselves they need to start feeling themselves in in that way that unlike the Toledo game, a way that you're feeling yourselves, and also still hungry. And I would imagine they'll be hungry going into that Purdue game the following week as well. All right, DPDO. I'm on at dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdo.com, and I hope you can get a celebratory calzone after the FAU game on Saturday at dpdo.com. State Farm agent Brian Hanson. online at BrianIsMyGuy.com for life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well. At BrianIsMyGuy.com. Dogtown Heating air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Give them a call at 217-841-4728 to get your furnace check scheduled. That's Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. And finally, Owen Builders, LLC, online at owenbuildersllc.com. Check out their gallery online of kitchen, bathroom, patios, decks, home additions. Great work, great craftsmen, and excellent customer service from owenbuildersllc.com. Champagne Showers Podcast Network, and thank you for listening and uh, making us part of your Alani sports rotation. And... Rate and review us if you can just take a second on Apple Podcast. give us the star rating. It really helps us when people are trying to look for new alumni podcasts to add to their rotation. Have a great rest of the week, everybody. And if I don't see you in the tailgate lots on Saturday, I'll see you right back here in the basement for a podcast on Sunday. It is the 211th.